Democrats turn to the race card to distract from Joe Biden's looming corruption problems. The View gets very upset at me for not liking Barbie. And Bronnie James suffers a cardiac arrest. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. So today, Hunter Biden is expected to plead guilty to a couple of misdemeanor accounts of failing to pay his taxes at a federal courthouse in Delaware. That is according to NBC News. This is the first time that the Justice Department has brought charges against the child of a sitting president. But of course, the charges have been knocked way, way, way down. Because according to IRS whistleblowers, this dude, Hunter Biden, took in literally $17.3 million on behalf of the family over the course of 2014 to 2019. And then the IRS and the DOJ and the FBI all waited until a bunch of the tax evasion charges had basically fallen off the radar. They went beyond the statute of limitations. And then, of course, they apparently, according to the IRS whistleblowers, denied David Weiss, the U.S. attorney in this case, the ability to pursue the case as a special counsel, which would have allowed him to do interviews in certain ways and charge in certain districts. They did not pursue any lines of inquiry about how exactly the money passed to Hunter and then whether that money passed from Hunter to the big guy, Joe Biden. The media are going to play this up as though the DOJ and the FBI really did their job here. But this is a sweetheart plea arrangement and everybody knows it. According to NBC News, Biden is expected to follow the terms of the plea agreement he reached last month with U.S. Attorney David Weiss. Outlining the charges, Weiss's office said in a statement, Hunter Biden received taxable income in excess of $1.5 million annually in 2017-2018. Despite owing in excess of $100,000 in federal income taxes every year, he did not pay any income tax due for either year. I mean, put aside the irony of the fact that Joe Biden is constantly talking about how the rich are escaping their taxes and how the rich don't pay their fair share and that go down and how his son is the rich who didn't pay his fair share. I promise you, I paid a lot of money in taxes last year. I paid way more than my fair share. This dude paid pretty much nothing, 27, 2018. The fact is that Hunter Biden is being let off the hook because his father is the president. As per our usual arrangement, Biden was facing a separate gun charge for illegally owning a Colt Cobra 38 special handgun, but the DOJ said that he'd reached a pretrial agreement that allowed him to essentially go to drug rehab instead of being charged for lying on federal forms. Again, put aside the irony of the fact that Joe Biden has basically said that you, the law-abiding gun owner, should not have a gun, and that Hunter Biden gets to go to drug rehab after apparently lying on federal forms about being a drug addict in order to obtain a gun, which then ended up dumped in a dumpster near a high school. Put aside all of that, the fact is that this is, once again, a sweetheart plea arrangement. Now, there is a sort of late-breaking story with regard to the sweetheart plea arrangement. The New York Post reporting it yesterday. First son Hunter Biden's legal team appears to pull a dirty trick on Tuesday to block the release of damning evidence ahead of his expected guilty plea to federal charges of tax evasion and weapons crimes. The drama began in the morning when the House Ways and Means Committee filed an amicus brief to Delaware U.S. District Judge Mary Ellen Noreka, arguing the 53-year-old had benefited from, quote, political interference, which calls into question the propriety of the investigation into his alleged crimes. The filing included the testimony from the two IRS whistleblowers. What happened next was outlined in a letter sent to the judge on Tuesday afternoon by the committee's top lawyer, Theodore Cotilla. Quote, at approximately 1.30 p.m., we received word that our filing was being removed from the docket. So the House Ways and Means Committee filed an amicus brief asking for the plea bargain to basically be thrown out for corruption. And weirdly enough, they got a notice at 1.30 yesterday that the filing was removed from the docket. We promptly contacted the clerk's office, says the lawyer, and we were advised that someone contacted the court representing they worked for my office and that they were asking the court to remove this from the docket. We immediately advised this was inaccurate. The clerk's office responded that we would need to refile. We have done so now. Catilla included email exchanges with court officials and Hunter Biden's attorneys in the fresh filing. 
Hi, Ted. Following up on a recent telephone conversation, the woman who called was a Jessica Bengals confirmed court official Samantha Grimes. She said she worked with Theodore Catilla and it was important the document was removed immediately or they could file a motion to seal. I do deeply apologize for the confusion on our part. Bengals is the director of litigation services at Latham and Watkins, a massive New York-based law firm. And um, Hunter Biden's attorney, Chris Clark, was formerly a partner over there. When Catilla confronted the First Son's legal team, Hunter's Hunter's attorneys tried to claim the filing contained confidential and identifying information, even though the whistleblower testimony has been public for more than a month. The timestamps from the emails indicated the request to take the document down was made after Catilla refused a request to file the testimony under seal. This is what Hunter Biden's attorney wrote, quote, as far as I'm aware, the managing attorney from Latham and Watkins called the clerk's office to note that personal tax information of the defendant had been filed in a non-redacted manner and to inquire regarding having the information sealed. As we told you we wouldn't, as you said, you understood. As far as I'm aware, the clerk took the filing down on their own accord. Catilla then warned, you should probably take a step back from your statements. The clerk's office advised that it was representing to her the request was being made by my firm. We will be advising Judge Noreka of this improper context. So Latham and Watkins is saying, no, no, no. We just asked that it be taken down because it contained identifying information. But the House Ways and Means Committee is saying, no, no, no. You called them up and you said that you were us and that you were requesting as us that we should take down the filing. Pretty amazing. So we will see how this shakes out, of course. But one thing is perfectly clear. If the person whose name were on the charges were anybody but Hunter Biden, that dude would be going to jail. As the Wall Street Journal editorial board points out, Eileen J. O'Connor writing, you'd go to prison for what Hunter Biden did. Prison for tax crimes is real. In the 1990s, New York hotelier Leona Helmsley served nearly two years in prison for defrauding the government by having her business pay her personal expenses and claim tax deductions for them. What has been called Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal wasn't the subject of the House Oversight Committee's July 19th hearing where the two IRS whistleblowers testified. Instead, lawmakers intended to explore ways in which IRS agents said the Justice Department had thwarted their probe. And again, the thwarting of the probe is really the big issue here because there are way deeper questions to ask than Hunter Biden's tax crimes. Like, where did the money go? Who was the big guy? Why are there texts on Hunter Biden's computer talking about how he paid his daddy's bills? Why are there texts on Hunter Biden's computer? WhatsApps, two foreign agents saying, my daddy is sitting right here. Why is it that all of this was shut down? We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, the financial experts said we were in the clear. While experts anticipated rate cuts, inflation in the United States remains a significant economic concern. Think about it. The United States right now is in the hole by $34 trillion. But we're going to keep spending. We're going to keep printing. And that's going to keep pushing up those prices. So you can bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversification, always a smart financial strategy. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation. Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They'll help you convert your existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. You're not going to pay a penny out of pocket. Gold is part of my savings strategy. I get it from Birch Gold. They've been the exclusive gold partner of The Daily Wire for over seven years now, literally helping thousands of our listeners. They can help you as well. Text Ben to 989898. Get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist about protecting your savings from persistent inflation with gold. Text Ben to 989898. Right now, diversification, always a smart strategy. Text Ben to 989898 to get started. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, we all know the first thing we do when we get home from work is change out of those work clothes and jump into loungewear. Well, luckily for me, I have Tommy John to come home to as I slip into my Tommy John loungewear set. I'm immediately enveloped in a cocoon of supreme softness and unparalleled comfort. Not only is their loungewear cozy enough to use as sleepwear, well, if I have to walk to the park with my kids, I don't look like a schlub. And guys, you might be wondering how these things can get any better. Their underwear 
is the best. I've been talking about this for years. If you haven't tried them, you're missing out. I took all the other underwear I had. I threw them out. I only wear Tommy John's. Tommy John's stylish and soft second skin underwear has dozens of comfort innovations, like a supportable contour pouch, a breathable light wick, moisture wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. Plus, Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee protects your most valuable assets. So what exactly are you waiting for? Try Tommy John today. You can thank me later. For silky soft comfort with sophisticated style, check out Tommy John's luxurious second skin limited edition colors right now at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. They're going fast, so hurry to tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Now, the Hunter Biden prosecutor, David Weiss, he's the U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware. Apparently, he will be allowed to testify before the House Judiciary Committee. The Department of Justice sent a letter to the Judiciary Committee. According to the Daily Wire, Weiss's testimony would come after the announcement of a plea deal where Hunter would plead guilty. The DOJ appreciates the Committee on the Judiciary's acceptance of our offer for Weiss to testify at a public hearing before the committee. The department is ready to offer Weiss to testify shortly after Congress returns from the August district work period as described more fully below. The potential dates for the testimony, September 27th or 28th and October 18th or 19th. That is a long time in the future. You may notice that the date today is July 26th. So they're talking about September or October for Weiss to testify because he's apparently so darn busy. The DOJ added in its letter that there were misunderstandings about what exactly its work was and why Weiss was denied special counsel status or if he was. According to the letter, quote, we are deeply concerned by any misrepresentations about our work, whether deliberate or arising from misunderstandings that could unduly harm public confidence in the even-handed administration of justice to which we are dedicated. Well, I mean... I'm concerned about the even-handed administration of justice, given the fact that apparently, according to the IRS whistleblowers, David Weiss was barred from asking serious questions for the IRS agents about how money was flowing, which is the exact topic of this investigation. Again, one IRS whistleblower, Joseph Ziegler, he's the gay Democrat who pointed that out during his testimony to say, listen, I don't have a dog in this fight. He's disputed several statements made by Weiss saying that Hunter should face more serious criminal charges. Now, David Weiss has been very squirrely about what exactly he asked for and what exactly he received from the DOJ. Apparently, there was an open meeting where he told the IRS whistleblowers that he had asked for special counsel status and was denied. Then Merrick Garland was like, well, he never asked for it, which kind of elides the question as to why you didn't give it to him in the first place, which is exactly what Merrick Garland did do with regard to, for example, the special counsel going after Donald Trump. There, Merrick Garland was like, hands off, you get special counsel status. When it came to Hunter Biden, it was like, well... Unless he asks for it, then I suppose I won't give it to him. And then we just have an argument over who asked for what when. Well, all of this is going to blow up in public view because the fact is that we now have too many pieces of information suggesting corruption involving Joe. We do. Beyond all the texts from Hunter, again, the, the most damning text remains. The 2019 text from Hunter Biden to his daughter in which he says he pays dad's bills. That is a wildly damning text. But now we have information that's been put forward by no less than two of Hunter Biden's business partners talking about Joe's involvement into the, in the business, at least to the extent that Joe was being used as sort of the deus ex machina. That when something was happening and they needed to call Joe to demonstrate that they actually had some pull, they would just call him on the phone. Devin Archer, who is John Kerry's son-in-law and, and somebody who is business partners with Hunter Biden, he's supposed to testify behind closed doors this week about all of that. And of course, we know Tony Bobulinski, who was largely ignored in 2020, said exactly the same thing. He said that Hunter Biden would call Joe Biden up on the phone. He would bring Joe Biden to meetings, all the rest of this sort of stuff. Well, Kevin McCarthy, for his part, says that an impeachment inquiry will probably get underway sometime in the near future. It's very doubtful that an impeachment inquiry does not lead to impeachment. I've yet to see an impeachment inquiry that does not lead to impeachment. And again, it is, it, I find it incredibly difficult to believe. I laid out the entire timeline yesterday on the show that Joe Biden is pure as the driven snow, knew nothing about Hunter picking up 
bags of foreign cash all over the world using his name, was on the phone with Hunter and the foreign business partners, was squiring Hunter on Air Force Two to places like China, and was impacting policy in the countries where Hunter is picking up the cash. All this is just a big coinky-dinky. Now, Speaker McCarthy said yesterday that an impeachment inquiry could be something very likely in the near future. So now you have the president saying one thing that we've proven is not true. You've got IRS whistleblowers saying something when it comes to government treating the Bidens different. You've got an informant claiming that the Biden family had been <laughs> bribed. Should you ignore that or you should investigate that? The only way you can investigate that is through an impeachment inquiry so the committee would have the power to get all the documents that they would need. What I said last night, and I continue, I said it before, when more of this continues to unravel, it rises to the level of impeachment inquiry where you would have the Congress to have the power to get to all these answers. I would think the Biden family would want to answer these questions as well, provide the documents instead of holding them back. What's amazing about this is the Democrats' response to all of this, because, again, the evidence is there that there was something nefarious going on. I mean, Hunter and Joe, are they are hand in glove for years on end while all of this is going around. And meanwhile, you got people like Jamie Raskin, who again, was one of the leaders of the impeachment into Donald Trump, who said that this is secondhand years old allegations. Well, what would firsthand constitute? Firsthand allegations, I mean, it is not secondhand. Tony Bobulinski was business partners with Hunter Biden. Devin Archer was business partners, uh, was business partners with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden texted things about Joe. That's all firsthand. That is not secondhand. That is all very, very firsthand. These are people who are directly involved in the allegations at issue. Apparently, according to Jamie Raskin, the only thing that would count as like a firsthand allegation is if Joe Biden raised his hand and literally said, I took money from my, from my son Hunter. Or he got a bunch of bank records and just spilled them into public view, which is something he absolutely will never do. Meanwhile, the White House is tweeting out, quote, their eagerness to go after Biden, regardless of the truth, is seemingly bottomless. At a briefing Tuesday, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said, we're not going to get into hypotheticals when asked about GOP efforts to impeach Biden. Now, this was always going to happen, OK, because Joe Biden has been corrupt for a very, very long time. I mean, the dude owns a lot of houses for a guy who's on like a 150000 to 200000 a year salary as a senator. And yet he had these very, very nice houses in Delaware. I mean, there's been talk about Joe Biden and the Delaware credit card companies for a very long time. So this is not anything new or shocking. The only thing that's shocking is the extent to which the media will go to not ask serious questions about this. Meanwhile, other Democrats, of course, are completely uninterested in this inquiry. Here's Representative Madeline Dean. She is a Democrat from Pennsylvania. She says, I have no questions about this. All my questions have been answered. Really, I, I, I love to hear how they were answered and what questions you asked. So we're at a time of great contrast uh, Democrats leading, investing in America, and Republicans chasing conspiracy theories. Uh, on the subject of what could be a pending impeachment inquiry into, into President Biden, what questions, if any, do you have about Joe Biden's connection to Hunter Biden's business dealings? Uh, I, I don't have any at this point. But certainly there are questions that can be asked and, and should be answered uh, if there was any connection. Uh, but we don't see any evidence of that whatsoever. So they're making it up whole cloth. They're making it up. Everything is made up, which is weird because it's not made up. And again, we let out the entire timeline and we have contemporaneous documentation and we have whistleblower allegations and we have confidential human sources who explicitly say that the heads of Burisma were openly claiming to have bribed Hunter and Joe Biden. And all of this is worthy of questioning, is it not? 
And yet we're just told to hand wave it away. It's all old allegations. Who cares about it? But there, there's nothing. There's nothing to see here. Now, here's the thing. The smoke is going to lead to fire. And the smoke is not there for no reason. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1877-CARS-FOR-KIDS-K-A-R-S. You know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars with a K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values. And that when people say free, they should mean, you know, actually free. When you switch to Pure Talk today, you will get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. No four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last, rugged screen, quick charging battery, top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family will save almost $1,000 a year. So... I challenge you to choose a company that actually shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Switch to my cell phone company. I've been using Pure Talk for years at this point. I tell you that coverage is excellent. I trust them. You can too. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and switch to my cell phone company today. puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Meanwhile, and Joe Biden continues to wander around, not knowing where he is. Yesterday, he claimed to have cured cancer, which is uh, which is interesting. I, I, I figure that like that's that's breaking big if true. Here is Joe Biden claiming that he has cured cancer. If you could do anything at all, Joe, what would you do? I said I'd cure cancer. They looked at me like, why cancer? Because no one thinks we can. That's why, and we can. We end cancer as we know it. We ended cancer as we know it. I, f- I feel like I, I would have heard about that if that were if that were true. Where's Daniel Dale and the fact checkers over at CNN? The president claims that he has cured cancer. Perhaps next he will cure dementia. I, I, I have I have I have doubts and quibbles. Meanwhile, in the funniest Joe Biden story of the day, it's funny because it's actually a little sad. You know, as a new dog owner, let me tell you how your dog acts is largely a reflection of how you train your dog. If you are good in training your dog, your dog will not bite people. And yet Joe Biden has had not one but two dogs who apparently routinely bite people, according to the New York Times. One of President Biden's dogs has now bitten several Secret Service agents and even sent one to the hospital. Part of a series of at least 10 incidents of aggressive behavior, according to internal emails recently obtained by a conservative watchdog group, the correspondence shows Commander, the nearly two-year-old German Shepherd, has struggled to adjust to life at the White House where he arrived in 2021 and Delaware where the Bidens own two homes. Early in November 2022, officials on the White House medical team chose to send an officer whom Commander had bitten on the arm and the thigh to the hospital. Just a week later, Commander bit an agent on the left thigh. That same month, another agent was left shaken when he felt the need to hoist up the chair he was sitting on to use as a shield when Commander began barking at him from the top of a White House staircase. Six of the innocents were bites that resulted in some form of medical attention. 
This, of course, is not the only Biden dog who's been a bad, bad doggo. In March 2021, the Bidens had to ship two of their other dogs, Champ and Major, to Delaware for two weeks of training after Major had a biting incident with a White House staff member. Champ died later that year, assassinated by Hillary Clinton, apparently. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a great, great, great job, Joe Biden. Meanwhile, on the policy front, a federal judge has now tossed Joe Biden's administration asylum rule for migrants. According to The Washington Post, a federal judge in California struck down the Biden administration's temporary restrictions on migrants seeking asylum ruling that the government's plans to reduce illegal crossings on the U.S.-Mexico border actually violated federal law. So they put in place a system that imposed penalized penalties on migrants who crossed the border illegally, trying to funnel them to ports of entry, where then they would be let into the country willy-nilly. And so far, that's been the result. There's been a lot fewer lines at the, at the border. There have been a lot less chaos on the border, but a lot of those people just enter the country willy-nilly. I, I, the bigger problem when it came to illegal immigration was never the kind of vast scenes on the border. The problem was, what the problem remains, which is people illegally entering the country by claiming asylum when they don't actually have a legal right to asylum. But because the process works and is overloaded in this way that you come, you claim asylum, and then we basically give you a deli ticket counter and we say, show up in three months for an asylum claim. And then you show up in three months and then we give you another ticket saying, show up for a court date, and then you never show up again. Statistically, this is what happens. People show up for their first court date, but not their second court date. This is why you have 11, 12, 14 million illegal immigrants in the United States. Well, now, a judge has argued that Joe Biden can't even do that. So even the illegal immigration policy that Joe Biden designed in order to get people to at least stand in line at the ports of entry, now a judge has said, you can't even do that. According to the Washington Post, the judge sided with advocacy groups that had argued the Biden restrictions violated federal law by endangering migrants fleeing harm and preventing migrants from seeking asylum if they cross the border illegally, which Congress never intended. So even Joe Biden's attempts to regularize his bad illegal immigration policy are failing on, uh, on every front. Well, when Democrats are failing, when approval ratings are low, when it appears that the president of the United States is on weakened footing, well, it's at precisely that time that you can expect the Democrats are probably going to start playing the race card. It's more on this in just one moment. First, you've heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN to protect your online privacy before. Choosing a VPN you trust is equally as important. Now, I actually research the show's sponsors because I want to recommend brands I believe in. I can say with full confidence, ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. For starters, ExpressVPN does not log your online activity. Lots of cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to advertisers, but ExpressVPN doesn't do that. They've even developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes their VPN servers incapable of storing any data at all. ExpressVPN also uses Lightway. That's a new VPN protocol they engineered to make user speeds faster than ever. I've tried a lot of VPNs in the past. They can sometimes slow your connection, but ExpressVPN is always blazing fast and lets me stream videos in HD quality with zero buffering. Not to mention, ExpressVPN... Really, really easy to use. You don't need any technical skills to set it up. You just fire up the app, you tap one button, and now you're connected. Even your grandparents could do it. I'm not just the one saying this. It's Business Insider, The Verge, a lot of other tech journals. They rate ExpressVPN as the number one VPN on planet Earth. Protect yourself with the VPN I know and trust. Use my link at expressvpn.com slash Ben today. Get an extra three months free on that one-year package. That's expressvpn.com slash Ben, expressvpn.com slash Ben to learn more. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, I've been talking about my Helix Sleep Mattress for years. I gotta admit, Last night was a very rough night. We had to take the dog to the hospital. Dog is okay, but didn't get a lot of sleep. The sleep I did get is thanks to my Helix Sleep Mattress made just for me. If you haven't already checked out the Helix Elite Collection, you need to. Helix harnesses years of mattress expertise to offer a truly elevated sleep experience. The Helix Elite Collection includes six different mattress models, each tailored for specific sleep positions and firmness preferences. If you're nervous about buying a mattress online, you don't have to be. Helix has a sleep quiz that matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress, because why would you buy a mattress made for somebody else? 
I took that Helix quiz. I was matched with a firm but breathable mattress. I love it. My wife loves it. We're big Helix fans here at the Shapiro house. Plus, Helix has a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but I'm not sure that has ever happened. Helix is now offering 25% off all mattress orders plus two free pillows for my listeners. Head on over to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. It's their best offer yet. It's not going to last long. That's helixsleep.com slash Ben. Use code helixpartner25. With Helix, better sleep starts right now. So Joe Biden yesterday honored Emmett Till and his mother with a new national monument, which is all, that, that's fine. I mean, Emmett Till obviously was lynched, he was assassinated for the great crime of apparently having allegedly wolf-whistled a white lady in the in the pre-civil rights era South. And uh, his mom made the brave move of having an open casket at his funeral and uh, and pointing out that these are the wages of racism. And so now the federal government is going to establish the Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley National Monument, which is going to be in a few different places. It's not, it's not just one place. The monument honors not only Emmett Till, but also his mother, who became a renowned civil rights advocate. According to a White House official, the new monument will protect places that tell the story of Emmett Till's too short life and racially motivated murder, the unjust acquittal of his murderers, and the activism of his mother, who courageously brought the world's attention to the brutal injustices and racism of the time, catalyzing the civil rights movement. And it will include things like the Roberts Temple Church of God in Christ in Chicago. That is where Till's funeral service was held. Also, the Grabal Landing in Mississippi, where it's believed that Till's body was recovered from the Tallahatchie River. That will be the second location. And the third location will be at the Tallahatchie County Second District Courthouse in Mississippi, where Till's killers were acquitted. Okay, all of that, you know, it is worth remembering the evils of American history in order so that we can see how far we've come. That's not the real reason why Joe Biden is doing this. The reason that Joe Biden is doing this, as you can see from the announcement, the real reason that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are doing this is so that they can pretend that there are a bunch of Republicans who are just like the murderers of Emmett Till. That is the way they do this. It really is gross. Again, this should be something about which Americans are fairly united. I would hope universally united. American racism is evil. Racism is bad. The murder of people on the basis of their skin, evil, right? We should all be on the same side of that. So why is it that this administration is now using this announcement of the monument in order to go after Ron DeSantis in Florida and falsely claim that Florida is replete with the same kind of racism. It's really gross. So Biden let it off yesterday. He was talking about complicity and complicity in racism. And as you'll see, this morphs very, very quickly into an attack on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's political opponents. It was a lesson I learned coming out of not like real leaders in the civil rights movement, but I came out of the civil rights movement as a kid. The public defender, and I used to, uh, you know, I used to say, think that you pass something that was good, you can make hate go away. Hate never goes away. It just hides. It hides under the rocks. And given a little bit of oxygen by bad people, it comes roaring out again. It's up to all of us to deal with that. Up to all of us to stop it. Up to all of us. The best way to do it is with the truth. It's in a different context, but I think it applies here. Silence is complicity. I will not be silent, nor will you be silent about what happened. Okay, again, when he says things like, it it doesn't go away, it just hides under rocks. So first of all, racism in the United States has abated beyond any other Western country by a long shot. Again, look at the polling with regards to, for example, interracial marriage. It went from virtually no one in the United States was in favor of interracial marriage to everyone in the United States is fine with interracial marriage by the polling data, okay? But according to Joe Biden, it never goes away, it just goes to hide. So what does he mean by that? What does he mean? Well, 
you know what the implication is. The implication is that even though those evil Republicans who oppose Joe Biden won't openly be racist, quietly, they're very racist. Kamala Harris, who, you know, is obviously ramping up for the possibility that Joe Biden just keels over any day because he looks like he's going to keel over any day. She really just says the quiet part out loud. She just goes right after Ron DeSantis in Florida. Again, there's a reason why they're linking these two issues. Today, there are those in our nation who would prefer to erase or even rewrite the ugly parts of our past. Those who attempt to teach that enslaved people benefited from slavery. Those who insult us in an attempt to gaslight us. Who try to divide our nation with unnecessary debates. Let us not be seduced into believing that somehow we will be better if we forget. Okay, so number one, no one's forgetting. People get taught about Emmett Till in Florida schools. What she's saying here, which is that these are, it's unnecessary to have debates over America's history. Really? Since you guys are the ones who pushed the 1619 Project, you're the ones who suggest that America's racial history means that today the only solution is quote-unquote racial equity when it comes to government policy, i.e. reverse racism in American government policy. This is what they're doing. This is, it's, it's super gross. It's really gross. Honestly, find me the American politician of either party today who's like, yeah, I'm a big, I'm standing for Emmett Till's murderers. Like, who are those people? They don't exist, but it doesn't matter because Kamala Harris believes, and she wants you to believe, that really down deep, Republicans are very much in favor of black people being murdered for no reason at all. She did this, by the way. She was saying all of this during the Emmett Till announcement, which is super disgusting. I mean, it really is gross. Here is Joe Biden doing the same exact thing. At a time when there are those who seek to ban books, bury history, we're making it clear, crystal, crystal clear. While darkness and denialism can hide much, they erase nothing. They can hide, but they erase nothing. We can't just choose to learn what we want to know. We have to learn what we should know. These people are liars. We should know about our country. We should know everything, the good, the bad, the truth of who we are as a nation. They're such gaslighting liars. They're such liars. They're liars. Okay, all of this gets taught in Florida schools. Nothing that Ron DeSantis has passed in the state of Florida, signed into law in the state of Florida, bars the teaching of American history. On the contrary, it preserves the teaching of American history by preventing the inculcation of lies into the curriculum. Lies like, if you are black, you are inherently victimized in the United States. And if you are white, you're inherently privileged in the United States of America. And that all systems of power in the United States are created for the explicit promotion of white people. That's what critical race theory teaches. That's what they're attempting to ban in the state of Florida. Not teaching about the evils of American history or white supremacy. What, like, it's a lie. They're liars. And it's disgusting. It truly is gross. Because again, there is no disagreement in the United States about the evils of American history when it comes to racism and white supremacy. There's no disagreement about that. The only disagreement is that you guys all say that the white supremacy is still there lurking underneath America's surface and that all of America's key institutions from capitalism to the meritocracy have been infused by that evil racism. And thus, if you oppose the democratic agenda, secretly you are a white supremacist. Secretly you're in league with Emmett Till's murderers. That's the case they're trying to make. Some of them are even more open. ABC News' Mary Bruce actually openly tried to connect Ron DeSantis to the lynching of Emmett Till. 
Now, the president's announcement, the president who is roughly the same age that Till would have been, it comes as we are seeing this controversial and very polarizing debate in this country over the teaching of black history, that move by the Florida Board of Education to teach that some slaves may have benefited from the skills they developed is sparking a firestorm. But Robin, this White House says that monuments like this to Till will help to teach the complete story of our nation's history, Robin. Yes, how about Ron DeSantis and the evils? Meanwhile, MSNBC host Andrea Mitchell, another objective journalismer, she commented, quote, this is also happening as some states are being accused of chipping away at the teaching of black history, the accurate teaching. Ron DeSantis has been accused by the Washington Post editorial board just yesterday of trying to, quote, whitewash slavery. It's it's so disgusting. It's so clearly disgusting. And then there's the secondary disgustingness. So Greg Gutfeld is on Fox News doing a show, and he was talking about all of these false accusations with regard to Ron DeSantis. All the lies that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are talking about, about how American history won't be taught, black history won't be taught in Florida schools anymore, which is a lie. It is not true. It is a lie. Okay, so Gutfeld was talking about the part of the curriculum that says that some slaves cultivated skills they could use for their personal benefit after slavery, which is clearly true. And he makes the pretty much unobjectionable point that even in the worst circumstances human beings could possibly be in, they cultivate skills because this is how human beings adapt and survive. And it demonstrates their resiliency. Even in the worst places human beings can be, they cultivate skills that they can then use for their personal benefit afterward. And he makes the comparison to Viktor Frankl writing Man's Search for Meeting after the Holocaust. The notion that he was able to cultivate certain spiritual levels through suffering in the Holocaust. And uh, and naturally, then the left jumps on that. It's just, it's amazing. Here, here's Greg Gutfeld. Do you think that she read the whole thing and just decided to cherry pick something? I, I do think that she read the whole thing, and I think that it's an incredibly complex piece. When you look at 191 passages, you have some good, and, and frankly, I'm just fundamentally uncomfortable with the sentence that blacks benefited at all from this. And, I, you know, it made me think as someone, obviously I'm not black, but I'm Jewish. Would someone say about the Holocaust, for instance, that there were some benefits for Jews, right? While they were hanging out in concentration camps, you learned a strong work ethic, right? Maybe you learned a new skill. Did you ever you read did. Man's Search for Meaning? Vic Frankel talks about how you had to survive in a concentration yeah. camp by having skills. You had to be useful. Utility. Utility okay. kept you but alive. But we're also talking about middle schoolers here. Okay, uh, again. What Gutfeld says there is absolutely unobjectionable. As an Orthodox Jew, you know, and thank God, my, my immediate family, our family line was in America since the early 20th century, but the entire extended family was in Europe at the time of the Holocaust, so we lost a lot of, you know, distant relations and family relations in Europe during the Holocaust. And of course, I'm deeply ensconced in the Jewish community, so pretty much everybody knows a Holocaust survivor. What he is saying there, which is that the durability and the adaptability of human beings, the resiliency of human beings in terrible circumstances leads them to cultivate skills that are useful to them in the rest of their lives, even in the worst circumstances, one of the glories of being a human being. That's unobjectionable. So what does the White House do? They immediately call him an anti-Semite. And now he didn't even bring it up, right? Jessica Tarlov brought it up. But wait for the, wait for the, the usual cast of characters to sound off. So Andrew Bates says, what Fox News was allowed to be said on the air yesterday is an obscenity. In defending a horrid, dangerous, extreme lie that insults the memory of millions of Americans who suffer from the evil of enslavement, a Fox News told another horrid, dangerous, and extreme lie that insults the memory of the millions of people who suffer from the evils of the Holocaust. There was nothing good about slavery. There was nothing good about the Holocaust. Full stop. No one said there was anything good about slavery or the Holocaust. They said that resilient human beings sometimes are capable of making the best of their, their horrific situations, which, of course, is true. That, of course, is true. 
That's the story of the heroism of the slaves making the best of one of the world's worst situations in human history. Same thing of Holocaust survivors, like trying to trying to survive, trying to cultivate a skill set while undergoing the worst horrors a human being can imagine. But of course, they have to lie. They have to lie. First of all, I don't want to hear this White House talk about anti-Semitism because this White House is replete with anti-Semitism. This White House is perfectly willing to roast on a spit the state of Israel in front of Iran. They're perfectly willing to do it. They are perfectly willing to bend over backwards for the likes of Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar. It, it, them talking about anti-Semitism, I mean, it's, you want to talk about ridiculous gaslighting, that would be it. So anyway, the, the, the White House is going to play the race card because this is what they have to do. Meanwhile, on the right side of the aisle, it appears that Donald Trump is cruising toward the nomination. We'll talk more about that in just one second. First, We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's say you were a duke of an intergalactic house, and one day your emperor decided to give you an additional desert planet to rule. Well, you'd probably think, that sounds like an amazing gift. Wrong you are, because that same emperor decided to blindside you and murder you in your sleep. Pretty sure Duke Leto really wished he had some life insurance the moment that hunter-seeker pierced his body. No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important, and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now at Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today. Give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes comparing life insurance quotes from America's top insurers easy. Just a few clicks. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not be enough. And if you move jobs, then it doesn't follow you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there really is not an excuse not to do it. Save time, money, provide your family with financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Here's a very sad statistic. Marriage rates have now hit an all-time low in the United States. More people than ever believe that a marriage certificate is some weird piece of paper. It's an outdated patriarchal tradition. Others have lied to themselves and they think they don't need a spouse. They, They think they'd rather be like a dog mom or something. Well, here's the thing. Men and women are both convinced right now they're better off being single. That is a lie. It is not true. Despite what the left would have you believe, marriage is a profound good. Professionally, personally, mentally, physically, that's just scratching the surface of the benefits of marriage. And you'll learn all about it in Dennis Prager's new episode of PragerU Master's Program, streaming exclusively over at Daily Wire Plus. At PragerU's Use Master's Program, Dennis is sharing 40 years worth of hard-earned wisdom, exploring all kinds of topics, like the consequences of secularism, whether human nature is basically good, the differences between the left and the right. This episode will make couples think differently about marriage. If you're single, this episode will absolutely open your eyes. Go to dailywireplus.com, become a member, watch PragerU Master's Program today. Okay, meanwhile, the Republican side of the aisle, Donald Trump continues to lead by leaps and bounds the rest of the Republican field. Uh, in, in terms of the national polling, one of the things that is propping Trump up atop the Republican field is the feeling by Republicans, and polling data shows this, that he actually is the most viable candidate to go up against Joe Biden. That, that is not what the statistics say. The statistics suggest that Ron DeSantis, for example, would run better than than Trump would against Biden in swing states like Wisconsin, Arizona, Georgia. But there is some national polling that has Trump up against Joe Biden. There's a latest messenger Harris X poll from July 21st through 24th, and it shows Trump up four on Joe Biden. There's a morning consult poll that shows him within two of Joe Biden. There's a Harvard Harris poll that shows him up five on Joe Biden. So there's some polling data suggesting that Trump is actually outrunning Biden at this point. And again, in the race for the Republican nomination, Right now, the Republican nomination race has Trump with a 34% lead on average. The latest morning consult polls show him at 59%, 16% for DeSantis, 8% for Ramaswamy, 6% for Pence. And meanwhile, 
there is a, a Harvard Harris poll showing him with a 40 point lead over Ron DeSantis. A Monmouth poll showing him with, again, a 30 point lead, 32 point lead over Ron DeSantis, 54 to 22. The big story of the campaign thus far is that no one seems to have broken loose from the rest of the field. Trump is just sticking around 50% and everybody else is engaged in this kind of scrum near the bottom. Now, the, ex the expectation early on in the race, I think for a lot of people, including me, was that Ron DeSantis was going to break loose in this race. Right now, he's in the middle of a campaign shakeup. He just had to fire about a third of his staffers. He was spending too much on staff. And so now he's attempting to recapitulate his campaign. I, I would assume at some point that he's going to get aggressive with the media. I thought that he did a good interview with Jake Tapper last week. The, the issue with the rest of the Republican field is that no one else is going to start jumping out from the rest of that Republican field. So maybe that will happen in the future. Right now, that is not happening. DeSantis is going to have to recapitulate and he's going to have to relaunch his campaign in fairly short order. Now, that has happened before, to be fair. John McCain was abandoned and left for dead in 2008 in mid-2007. Mid-2007, he wasn't even charting in polls. Rudy Giuliani was leading in all the polls in 2007. Mitt Romney in 2012 was basically the front runner all the way through, but there are people like Jeb Bush who are running really well at this point in the race in 2016. So it's still very early, but things are going to have to change rather dramatically. There's a reason why the Trump campaign is, is focusing all of its fire on DeSantis. They, they put out a bizarre statement yesterday, the Trump campaign accusing Ron DeSantis of colluding with the Biden DOJ, which is super weird. I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. They, they, they literally put out a letter saying, DeSantis and his establishment handlers have resorted to directly parroting the talking points of radical leftists. When Ron DeSanctimonious was most recently summoned before donors to explain his flailing campaign, his top lieutenants admitted to lighting donor money on fire, though even more telling, a top DeSantis fundraiser confessed their strategy relied on endless political prosecutions of President Trump by radical leftist prosecutors. So now they're claiming that DeSantis is uh, somehow in league with the DOJ. I mean, this is really weak stuff. Here's the thing. Is that going to translate to a general election for Trump? This is the big question people should be asking themselves. Again, I'd love to see the data supporting the idea that the strongest candidate, not that he's stronger than Biden, maybe he is, maybe he's not. Again, I have doubts, but the, the data that he is the strongest candidate against Biden is somewhat lacking. And that is particularly going to be a problem for him, given the fact that, again, a, a lot of the people who are around Donald Trump are now putting Trump in uncomfortable positions. So today in a court filing, Rudy Giuliani just admitted that he made false allegations about Georgia election workers and no longer contest the outcome of the Georgia election. So remember, it was Rudy Giuliani who was leading up a lot of the election narrative 2020 that Donald Trump actually won in Georgia. He was putting significant pressure on people in Georgia. Now he's admitting that he was making stuff up in Georgia. Is any of that stuff going to matter in a primary? Absolutely not. Is any of that stuff going to matter in terms of a general election? That's certainly not going to help President Trump. But right now, Trump is by far the most durable candidate in the field. He's proved that he has the support of about 45 to 50% of the Republican base. And unless some other Republican changes their strategy and breaks loose, it will be Trump for the nomination. That's at least how it appears right now. Now, Republicans are facing some pretty uphill battles in the 2024 situation overall. According to the Wall Street Journal, New York's highest court is now set to weigh in on a new set of congressional maps in the state. A ruling analyst say could position Democrats to pick up as many as five U.S. House districts in the closely held chamber. New York Republicans on Tuesday appealed the most recent ruling in a Democratic lawsuit that seeks to throw out district lines that were in place for the last year's elections and help the GOP pick up three seats in the Empire State. Democrats said those maps were only meant to be in place for 2022. The New York State Court of Appeals apparently is likely to rule along those lines. And that means that if Republican redistricting in North Carolina and Ohio happens, New York will then re redistrict itself and presumably hand a bunch of House seats back to Democrats. So it's going to be a closely held house. These battles are going to be ongoing. The country is split very close to 50-50 on every available line. Okay, meanwhile, the latest in the continuing fallout from me not liking Barbie. Apparently, this is just an endless national story, and I'm confused as to why. 
except I'm not confused. As I mentioned a couple of days ago on the show, the reality is that I stepped upon the idol. You're not supposed to step upon the idol. You're not supposed to mention that Barbie is a bad movie. You're not supposed to mention that radical feminism is, r- radical feminism is a complete failure. You're not supposed to mention any of that because the idolatry of these movies, of these cultural totems, must be complete, and you must be made to bow before them. Uh, this presumably is why the great intellect over at The View were uh, decrying my specific critique of the Barbie movie. So as always, I am perfectly willing to go on The View. Not only am I perfectly willing, I'm perfectly eager to go on The View. It has been several years since I have suggested that I come on The View, and uh, yet I'm shocked. I've never received an invite. Now, I know for a fact why that is. I mean, I'm friendly with Megan McCain, who is on the show for years. She routinely asked the producers if I could come on the show, and they routinely said no. I wonder why. Hmm. In any case, Whoopi Goldberg, leading light, and, uh, and a person who believes that apparently Hitler was not a racist. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg had some views about panning the woke Barbie movie. It's a movie about a doll. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I thought y'all would be happy. She has no genitalia, so there's no <laughs> sex involved. Ken has no genitalia, so he can't be do- It's a doll movie. And you know who? I, I, the kids... No, it's colorful and it's Barbie. They haven't lived through what the adults have lived through. So when they're seeing this movie, that's not how they're looking at it. The kids are looking at it as a Barbie movie. You guys, I want you all to tell your daughters why you're not taking them to see the Barbie movie. I'm so taken by some of these right-wing men who have all these thoughts on masculinity. Like, somehow the Barbie movie is going to make them feel emasculated. No, caring so much about it is honestly the most emasculating thing I could think about. Well, wasn't that Ben Shapiro? Because if you're sitting there and you flipped it on a head and it was... He looks like he should be in the Barbie movie. Oh, in in what capacity, Whoopi? Uh, that's, that's, That's a strange... I look like I should be in the Barbie movie. Because of my stunning Ryan Gosling-like good looks? Like, well, what are we talking about here? Okay, so just a few comments on this. A few comments on this. Number one, the insane gaslighting by people like Whoopi Goldberg is amazing. So they made Barbie into a cultural moment. It's a cultural moment. And the movie is stacked with politics. Every single review, left and right, points out the movie is stacked with politics. They play this dumbass game. It's a really ridiculous clown nose on, clown nose off game. Well, it's so political. It's so important. Everyone should see it. It has such important things to say about the state of modern womanhood. And then we're like, yeah, what it has to say is garbage and stupid and wrong and bad for girls. And then they're like, it's just a movie about a doll. It's just a movie about a doll. Why are you so upset about a movie about a doll? I don't know. Why are you so upset that I'm upset about a movie about a doll? Because it's not just a movie about a doll, you idiots, obviously. You're really liars. I mean, you know that it's not a movie about a doll only. It's a movie about men and about women and about feminism and about the patriarchy. You know who will tell you that? Greta Gerwig, who made the damn thing. You know who will tell you that? Every member of the media, ever, including Whoopi Goldberg. So but th- this whole routine, oh, well, I don't even know why you're so upset about this. I don't even know why you care. Okay, first of all, the movie's bad. I'm upset I wasted two, mon- two, two hours of my life on the movie. But what really is upsetting is the gaslighting, is the lying. You don't get to say, look at this super important thing. And then I notice it. I'm like, yeah, I think it's bad. And they're like, it's not even important at all. Why are you even noticing it? It's so irritating. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Okay, so I know Alyssa. Okay, Alyssa used to work in Mike Pence's office. The first time I visited the White House, Alyssa was an aide to Mike Pence. And she was a fan of the show, okay? (laughs) And I'm only making this personal because Alyssa decided to make this personal. So let me point out here, when we are talking about, you know, emasculation and all the rest, you know what is kind of emasculating? Moving from Mike Pence's office over to The View, where you get to be the designated conservative that all of your friends, 
your pseudo friends dump on every single day and where you win points of favor and they pat you on the head and give you little Scooby treats if you say the right thing. As far as feeling emasculated on a personal level, I just had my fourth kid, man. Like, give me a break. I, 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 my reproductive success has been assured at this point, folks. I'm not, I'm not particularly concerned about the emasculation charge from Alyssa Farrah Griffin. By the way, again, you guys, I noticed that you spent a lot of your airtime on this. So, uh, yeah, obviously it's important enough for you to comment on. Here's the overall take. The overall take, again, is that for a group of wine moms who are daytime drunk, watching the Barbie movie by themselves, crying at America Ferreira, whining about being a woman. And then they go on The View and then they talk about it. And then you mention the movie's bad. This is idolatry. You, you must never, ever, ever speak ill of the Greta Gerwigs of the world. You must never speak ill of a movie as important as this. And if you do, then they will pretend that the real story is that, why are you even know, why? It's a, it's a movie about a doll. By the way, America Ferreira's Barbie speech apparently took two days and 30 to 50 takes to film, which is incredible because it sucks. I'm just going to point out, it's bad. It's a bad take. It, it, 30 to 50 takes? We're filming Citizen Kane here? 30 to 50 takes for America Ferrer to give this whiny speech. Apparently, Greta Gerwig said that when she gave that speech, everyone on the set was crying. And the men, the women, they were all crying. Uh, yes, only the most self-absorbed people in the world would cry over a speech as pathetic, dull, and, and honestly shallow as, as that particular speech. And meanwhile, in other news that made you know, a lot of headlines yesterday, Bronny James, who is LeBron James's son and is expected to be or was expected to be a first round pick in the NBA draft at some point in the very near future, apparently suffered a cardiac arrest. He's since been released from the ICU in stable condition, according to a statement from the uh, USC Galen Center. Yesterday, while practicing, Bronny James suffered a cardiac arrest. Medical staff was able to treat Bronny and take him to the hospital. He's now in stable condition, no longer in the ICU. We ask for respect and privacy for the James family. We'll update media when there's more information. LeBron and Savannah wish to publicly send their deepest thanks and appreciation to the USC medical and athletic staff for their incredible work and dedication to the safety of their athletes. This, of course, led to a, a massive amount of speculation online that perhaps the reason that Bronny James had a cardiac arrest is because of the wild spate of cardiac arrests that have been experienced by young men in the aftermath of the COVID pandemic. There's been a lot of suggestion that the vaccinations in particular, because they cause a higher rate of myocarditis than the norm, that because of that, that is what has led to things like Brian James. Now, we don't have any information about that. And so I'm not fond of speculating on the medical situations of people because it's quite possible that there's a congenital heart defect, right? Long before COVID or vaccines were a thing, people like Reggie Lewis, who played for the Boston Celtics, literally dropped dead of cardiac arrest. He was a star for the Boston Celtics. This sort of stuff has happened for a very long time in the country. The rates are, are much higher. It is unclear, just to give you the data, it is unclear whether those rates being higher is entirely due to young people taking the COVID vax or whether it is due to young people also actually getting COVID because there is a rate of increased myocarditis among young people who get COVID as well. Now, for the vast, 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 vast majority of young people, they're not going to have a cardiac arrest. It is true that the second dose of the vaccine particularly raises the risk of myocarditis for young men in particular. According to a systematic review of the evidence that was released in April of 2023, this is from PubMed. Apparently, the highest incidence of myocarditis range from 8.9 to 39 cases per 100,000 persons in studies using four stratifiers. Six studies reported an incidence greater than 15 cases per 100,000 persons or doses in males aged 12 to 24 after dose two of an mRNA-based vaccine. So there are a lot of questions about the myocarditis effects on young men. I know that there are people who I speak to frequently, Dr. Marty McCary over at Johns Hopkins, who's deeply concerned. I think we should all be concerned over the rates of myocarditis arising in young men after the taking of the vaccine. It is also unclear at this point 
whether what, what the sort of differential is, just to give you the data. Again, this is not a political point. This is just what data we have available. It is unclear the differential in myocarditis related incidents for young people who have gotten COVID versus young people who have gotten the COVID vaccine. The evidence seems to show that myocarditis post vaccine is less severe than myocarditis post-COVID, but it may be that many more people who are actually getting myocarditis are getting it from the vaccine as opposed to COVID. We just don't have solid numbers on any of that. Apparently, there's a study by Penn State College of Medicine. This came out October of 2022 and found that the risk of developing myocarditis was seven times higher with COVID-19 infection than with the vaccine. But again, we've seen some mixed evidence on all of this. The only reason I'm pointing this out is because in the same way that I'm not fond of suggesting that every day, every time it's a hot day outside, that is because you drove your car. I'm not fond of jumping to conclusions about Bronnie James's vax status or whether it was the vax that did this based on pure speculation. We can wait for it. It may very well have been the vaccine. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows except his doctors at this point. We will find out in short order. And so I'm very much a fan of waiting until we have the evidence to uh, to determine what the case is. Now, does that mean that if you're 18 years old, I'm saying you should get the vaccine? No, I'm not saying that. In fact, I did not get my kids vaccinated, nor do I think that that would be a wise decision. I think that basically, unless you are morbidly obese or above the age of 65, the evidence is very dicey on whether you should be taking the vaccine as opposed to just getting a bout of Omicron. But with that said, you know, again, I think the wise move in all of these situations, and the, the fact has become controversial is kind of crazy, is wait for the medical evidence to arrive as to what exactly happened to Bronnie James before engaging in speculation. Okay, meanwhile, over in Israel, the media are blowing up the situation in Israel as though the country is about to collapse. It is not. It is really stupid. It's people who are taking advantage of the situation in order to exacerbate perceived global weakness in the state of Israel. I only comment on this because, again, it's being treated as top of news for everyone. It's not top of news for anyone. This is an internal debate in Israel over a fairly small judicial reform measure. Yesterday, for example, there was an attempt by the UTJ, as I mentioned, the United Torah Judaism, which is a Haredi party, an ultra-Orthodox party, to push forward an actual bill that would have said that Torah study is equivalent to army service, and the coalition of which UTJ is a part was like, nope, we're not putting that up because it's bad. We're not doing it. That did not get the sort of coverage that the that the judicial reform has gotten as, quote unquote, a divisive factor in Israeli society. This is why you know, when, when you see, for example, the stupidity of Moody's downgrading the debt of, of Israel, it's just ridiculous. It's really, really stupid. Moody, Moody's giving a negative report because, you know, there are people who don't agree with the thing a government did is really foolish. It's also worth noting at this point that the media coverage of, wow, look at that, 10,000 reservists say that they're not going to show up on a volunteer basis to serve. First of all, if there's a war, they're showing up. Number two, there are literally hundreds of thousands of reservists who will show up, but nobody ever pays attention to any of that. So all I'm here to say when it comes to this particular issue is give it time, it will calm down. Just There are massive riots in France and they didn't get this sort of attention. And the riots in France are much more indicative of bleeding social decay in France than the current conflict in Israel is indicative of some sort of internal collapse. Okay, time for a quick thing I like and then a thing that I hate. So things that I like. Uh, I will admit that I am laughing about the um, a Santa Barbara suburb that is very upset about somebody moving in. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. According to the New York Post, when locals in the secluded Santa Barbara, California enclave of Hope Ranch heard that Prince Harry and Meghan Markle might be keen on leaving nearby Montecito to buy a home in the exclusive suburb, they didn't roll out the welcome mat a Hope Ranch realtor told The Post that nine months after the rumors were reported, their office continues to field calls from concerned longtime residents who fear the couple and their security team will disturb the peace in the quiet community where houses go for as much as $22.5 million. People are not happy. That's the word around town. They want them to stay in Montecito and not be drawing that kind of attention up to Hope Ranch, another realtor and Santa Barbara native confirmed to The Post. 
So uh, first of all, they all deserve it. All of them deserve each other. All of the rich and wealthy Santa Barbara residents who are very into the libdom, um, I hope that they enjoy their new neighbors. The we don't want attention. Please, please stop paying us attention. South Park characters of Harry and Meghan who are quickly running out of things to make them prominent. I know there's been a lot of speculation about the possibility that the couple breaks up. There's been a lot of that sort of page six speculation about that possibility, which they have kids. That would be sad. Any divorce involving kids would be really, really sad. It would not be surprising given exactly the course of this marriage and who Meghan Markle has proved herself to be, unfortunately. Okay, time for a quick thing that I hate. So crime in left-wing areas is now so bad that even CNN has to cover it. So yesterday, CNN senior national correspondent Kyung La reported on crime in San Francisco retail shops. The report is pretty stunning. Richie Greenberg walked into a San Francisco Walgreens when he saw in the frozen food section this. Chains, heavy chains that went from padlock to padlock on both sides of the doors. And this was bizarre, something I'd never seen before. This is just more icing on the cake telling us that rampant crime is, is, has become a, a regular part of life. So typical that in the 30 minutes we were at this Walgreens, we watched three people, including this man, steal. Did that guy pay? Did that guy pay? He didn't pay. Unbelievable. So Law said, hit more than a dozen times a day when thieves tried to clean out ice cream and frozen burritos, workers grew so frustrated they resorted to the chains. They were ordered down by corporate because of the negative messaging, but Walgreens isn't the only retailer impact in San Francisco. You have to ask an employee for help. At this store, frozen food is controlled with a cable lock, fake eyelashes locked behind plexiglass, along with lotion and nail polish at another grocery store, $14 bags of coffee under lock and key. Amazing stuff from San Francisco. So again, wonderful job, left-wing governance, ruining some of America's most beautiful cities, and um, you know what? You get what you vote for. Alrighty, guys, the rest of the show continues right now. You're not going to want to miss it. We'll be jumping into the mailbag. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us.